listening to Law and Gospel on the September the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2023. It's a Friday, and so you may be surprised that we have with us Wes Reimnitz, because normally we have him on Thursdays. But what was the problem yesterday that you weren't able to be on with us, Wes? Well, when you called, I was already packed up and ready to leave the house. We moved to a new house. We downsized a little bit. We're actually three miles closer to to, to where you live now. Oh, so now you're only 300 miles away instead of 303. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not quite 300. It's more like 150, 125. You're still in Springfield, Illinois, right? Yes. Yes, I still am. And new opportunities opportunities to to talk about KFUO to my neighbors and and witness Christ to them. Excellent. Excellent. Get to know your neighbors, etc. All righty. The article that you have given us to look at today uh, is put out by... Aaron Garriott, and it's entitled, Why Do Christians Do Bad Things? In the mind of many people, Christians may ask this question. If I'm a true Christian, why do I keep on sinning? And of course, there are a number of ways in which Christians do sin. And so the answer requires us to understand what Scripture says is true of Christians uh, in understanding how we are redeemed. This is, of course, the Bible's teaching about what has already happened to the Christian, what is happening to the Christian, and what has not yet happened to the Christian. Those are the three points, namely what has already happened, what is now happening, and what has yet to happen. And we call that regeneration, justification, and adoption. Now, according to the Bible, when a person becomes a Christian, he's gone from death to life. He has experienced what we often call regeneration. Can you give us some Bible verses that talk about that? Uh, you answer correctly. Some Bible verses, the, the whole Bible speaks about that. The, the Christian is a new creation. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. He has yep. been born again. John 3, 3, that's where Nicodemus and Jesus had that exchange. And we get that for God so loved the world. First right. Peter 1, 3, we were in darkness, now we're in light. Acts 26, 18, Ephesians 5, 8, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 1 Peter 2, 9, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And now we are made alive together with Christ. 
Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And that, of course, ends in, in verse 10 of, of uh, Ephesians, which, which talks about that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God should prepare beforehand, and we should walk in them. And then also Colossians 2.13. We were a slave to sin, and now we're a slave to righteousness. John 8, 34, Romans 6, 1 to 23, Galatians 5, 1. So we had a heart of stone, and now we have a heart of flesh. Ezekiel eleven nineteen and Ezekiel 36, 26. Regeneration and its first conversion to Christ signify a drastic change in our identity. That reminds me of David creating me a clean heart and renew my spirit. And renew a right spirit within me. This is called regeneration. And it imparts spiritual life into our bodies, but Actually, one's history before regeneration is not changed. It means that a Christian will hate his sin, but he still might be attracted to the same sins as he was before conversion. So, My question is, how can that be? How can what be? That on the one hand, we are regenerated a new creature. On the other hand, we still have that sinful condition within us. Well, in the new birth, we are effectually called, meaning that the Spirit not only calls us to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, but he also gives us the ability to respond to that call. When Our faith is rooted in Christ. The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ, from whom we receive the benefits of redemption, including justification, adoption, and sanctification. Now, when parents adopt a child, when that child is now adopted, Is that child sinless? (laughs) No, not by any stretch of the imagination. They may be in a new relationship with parents. They may be adopted. And in the act of justification, what God does is pardon all of our sins. And we are accepted as righteous in the sight of God. What is that really based on? It's based on what account? Well, the account of imputed righteousness of Christ received by faith alone. It it always reminds me of my days back at the seminary with Francis Pieper in Christian Dogmatics, which was a staple of the day that we had to take three or four classes off of his three volumes. Volume three, about page 
39, I think, it talks about how justification and sanctification kind of butt up to each other. We are justified and declared free in the righteousness of Christ so that we can begin to walk our way, way in the life of sanctification. Yes. We need to understand that when the Christian is involved in the work of sanctification, a person begins to be renewed in his whole being after the image of God and is enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. We die unto sin by repentance. We begin to hate our sin even more so. And even though in the life of sanctification we occasionally sin, we now do not like it. So whereas justification and adoption are acts of God, sanctification is a continual work of God working within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is progressive, a lifelong work. So on the one hand, the Christian is declared righteous in God's sight on account of the imputed righteousness of Christ. Has he been entirely renewed in his whole being? Well, at least not yet. Martin Luther put it it as a Christian. Somebody uses it, which we taught him at the same time, both righteous and sinful, that we carry that with us until the day we die. Yeah, Luther said the Christian is simul justus et peccator. That means at the very time we are righteous, we remain to be a sinner. So regeneration makes a man new, yet he still is an undeveloped man, a man who is being sacrificed or sanctified, but has not yet been perfected. You know, so, kind of, just a second, it kind of reminds me, don't we sometimes call a church a hospital for sinners? Or we hear people say, I don't go because that sinner goes to that church. Yes. Yeah, I had a person who once was going to join the church. And when he became knowledgeable about the congregation, he found out there was a man there who used to be his boss that he never liked very much. And he considered him a real sinner. And so he refused to join the church because he was a member of the congregation. Hmm. And what they don't realize is when a Christian is sanctified, they are not yet sinless. They hate their sin. They repent of their sin. Yet 
they find that many of their old affections and sinful patterns may dissolve, but others experience a more gradual renewal of their desires. So there is a sense that we are sanctified at our conversion in that we are set apart as holy to the Lord. But sanctification as a pro process is experienced at different rates. What do we mean by that? Well, it remains that the remnant of sin and corruption are, are no means eradicated at once. It becomes a, a powerful thing that kind of rules with them. In other words, I, I use uh, Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I want do not want to do is what I keep on doing. It's the fight of the of, of the new man and the what we call the old man inside of us that fights. So it's important to realize that when you are baptized and receive the Holy Spirit, this renewing activity of the Holy Spirit does not immediately remove all evil from us and place it, replace it with a completely holy and good person. The Holy Spirit effects renewal at this point in order from there to cause his renewing and sanctifying work to take hold in an increasingly wider circle. So in conversion, Sin is dethroned in the heart of the believer, but it is not yet fully exterminated. Sin has no dominion over us who is under grace, but sin is still a present enemy. As one person says, what does he say about the deliverance from the power of sin? Well, deliverance from the power of sin is secured with uh, faith with Christ and with the defilement of sin is a regeneration that does not eliminate all sin to the heart and the life of the believer. There is still what we call indwelling sin. Sanctification, in other words, can be messy. We can become aware of the depth of sin in our lives slowly, and ethical blind spots may persist. What sanctification involves when we believe in Jesus Christ, it often involves a painfully slow progress that sometimes, from our point of view, doesn't look like progress at all. It often involves returning to the same sin over and over although we have increasing hatred of that sin. The trajectory of the Christian life, because of union with Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, is one of progressive renewal and conformity to the image of God. What do we mean by 
the image of God? Well, you know, we find sanctification as God's work of free grace. We are renewed by the whole man in the image that enables more and more to die to sin and live into righteousness. It kind of reminds me, we're in September, and soon we get into October where we talk about Reformation. Luther would, would oftentimes have that problem. Uh, you know, am I doing enough good works, and uh, why do I still feel sin? Uh, I, I see that Luther, you know, over and over, and watched how he fall with that over his righteousness in Christ and in the sense that he retained. What is the characteristic difference between the unrenewed who do not have faith and the renewed who have been given faith by the Holy Spirit? What's the characteristic difference? Well, the one is ruled ruled with, with sin and the other is ruled by by the power of God. Yes. by the power of the Spirit. It, it's not that the one who is renewed is now entirely sinless and the one who isn't renewed is entirely sinful. No, both of them are sin. But the Spirit of God dwelling in a believer leads that person to crucify the flesh and to strive after complete conformity to the image of God. So, you know, that kind of reminds me of a member that I had in, in one of my congregations. She was talking to her husband about coming to church, and she said he said, told her that uh, God would want, want somebody as bad as I am because I sin a lot. And she looked at him and said, move over. You can come sit with us because that's what we're all sinners being redeemed in Christ. Yeah, you can't understand how people don't understand that when you look at the liturgy. Because what do we confess? That we are poor, miserable sinners deserving nothing but what? Eternal death and punishment. Exactly. We recognize we are sinners. And the difference is that the sin we have does not become governing sin. It needs to be mortified. That means it means to be put to death. Indwelling sin still remains in the heart of a believer, but it is contradictory to and in conflict with the new heart we were given when the Holy Spirit enters into us. That's the regenerate heart. Now, how long will this conflict remain? It remains with us till the day we die. Die, you know, or, or we're taken into heaven to be with, with Christ. It reminds me of, of, of a a member of mine that had schizophrenia and have a voice, you know, they have voices talking to them and uh, got her on her medication and it, it continued 
after she was on her medication. Yeah. And it never went away. And I said, you know, it probably won't go away until the day you die. And she said, what? And I said, the day you die, as a believer in Christ, you're going to heaven, it's gone. And her face just brightened up, and she said, I think I can live with this. There, it was a feeling among some people that sanctification meant that you could be perfected in this life. This was rejected by the Reformation. What did Martin Luther say about that? Well, he talked about how we're, we are with it, with sin uh, all the time of our life, but we are renewed in the image of God. So we're living each day in the life of Christ. Yes. There are two contrary captains in you, he says, the spirit and the flesh. In justification, God has stirred up in your bodies a strife and a battle. The flesh and the spirit in the life of sanctification are at war with one another. If we were pure from all sin and were inflamed with perfect love, both towards God and our neighbor, then should we indeed be righteous and holy through love? And God would require no more of us. But this is not done in the present life. When is it deferred to? Well, to when we are lifted up in, in, into heaven after, after death. It, uh, so here on earth, we receive the first fruits of the Spirit so that we can begin to live slenderly in the image of Christ. But the error of the perfectionist is the idea that we can become perfect here on earth. And that's not really true. The souls of the believers are at their death and resurrection to heaven made perfect in holiness. And when you pass into glory and your body is there, you're still united in Christ, but indwelling sin continues to live in believers in some measure and degree while we are in this world. We have a body of death. That's Romans seven twenty four. But we are delivered by the death of our bodies. That's Philippians 3.21. Until death, our sanctification remains imperfect and glorification remains a future and also spirit guaranteed. So that is really helping us to understand, in a sense, three steps a human being has. The first step is he becomes regenerated by the Holy Spirit and is delivered from the dominion and slavery of sin. 
though not altogether from the body of sin or from the infirmities of the flesh. But someone who has been renewed will finally be renewed in his glorified state. What's that referring to? Well, the sin has been dealt with in justification and progressive and sanctification and glorification is, is when we enter into, into heaven after our death or at the second coming of Christ. So this glorification, which occurs after Judgment Day, this gives us the full presence of God within us. And there is no longer sin that will rule within us. It's hard for me to understand how in heaven I will have no sinful thoughts, let alone sinful actions or words. But that's the promise of God. And I think this, I think this article that we, we took a look at helps satisfy, at least for me, that I'm not going to be perfect, nor am I going to run into a perfect person. But that will happen when I go to heaven to be with Christ. Yeah, because he's the one that's lived the perfect life, the perfect death, perfect resurrection for us. Was there ever a time that human beings had a perfect life? Uh, in the garden before they fell into sin. Well said. Adam and Eve were sinless until they chose to listen to Satan. And that's what brought sin into the world. And that's why we are born with original sin, so that by nature we do not follow God's will. But this article was very helpful to understand that, yes, even when sanctified, a Christian can remain sinful, but he begins to hate his sin more and more, repent of it, request forgiveness until he is glorified with Christ in heaven. Thanks so much, Wes, and I hope you enjoy living in your new house. We'll continue with you in the following weeks. God bless you, and God bless those of our listeners. Till Monday, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.